Overnights with Martin Kellner. And a very good morning to you. Uh, time now to cross to uh, Mexico and uh, link up with our good friend uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Martin. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, yourself? Yeah, good. All, all the better for hearing your earlier crisp packet <laughs> colour conversation. <laughs> Nothing like the sound of grown men on live radio getting confused by primary colours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of old England for you. I mean, it must be hard no, for really you. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it must be hard for you uh, out there in Mexico. Uh, listen, I, I was discussing I, cheese and onion crisps. I confess, um, I was trying, I was racking my brain for the colour of salt and vinegar. Um, but thankfully, you guys eased that yeah. eased that mental yeah, crisis for you, me. You can only get paprika out there, can't you, John? Mm. Uh, yeah, spice, spicy and spicier. <laughs> D- different shades of bread. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, now, to, to move on from Chris to something probably a little more important in the whole scheme of things, um, I mean, we rarely, uh, we rarely talk about Chile these days. I mean, obviously under the uh, era of uh, Pinochet, uh, it was, uh, it was big news. You know, there's a, a sort of extreme left uh, country there. Um, but they've now, um, they've had an election in uh, Chile and they've voted overwhelmingly to, um, uh, to replace uh, the, when I say left, I mean, Right, uh, replace the sort of far <laughs> the far right uh, rule of, of the dictatorship of uh, of Pinochet. Yeah, basically um, a, a vote to uh, bring in a new constitution or or keep the old one in. The vote itself was uh, delayed by six months because of the the international COVID thing, which has struck Chile. Um, the constitution was written in 1980, right at the heart of the of the military dictatorship and, and regime. And it was basically designed to kind of enshrine, um, to, to have a, a pretend democracy and opportunity and, and choice for the people, but really everything was enshrined deliberately as part of that constitution in, in a neoliberal model of economic development. So for example, education, health, pensions, housing, etc., were all kept under under private ownership. And this was all brought about because of as you say, probably the last time that Chile was really big in the news was towards the end of last year when there was widespread um, riots and violent uh, protest and social disorder right across um, the country based uh, on the fact that there was a, a metro price rise, but that was a real domino effect which led to you know vast swathes of, of Chile erupting in protest. And then as a result of that, the police and military got involved, huge amounts of human rights abuses in particular, uh, people, the police were using rubber bullets to um, deliberately target people's eyes, and that became a campaign of terror. And so there was this, this um, I mean, and the, the president, Sebastián Piñera, was nearly thrown out of, out of office, but basically had to give way on a number of major things in order to, to hold his position. And to some extent, he was saved by COVID also. But one of the big things was a vote on a new constitution. And the, in this plebiscite, in this vote, which took place on Sunday, 80% of the vote went into um, drafting a new constitution, um, which will begin with uh, a new elected civil body happening in in, in April, um, and then thereafter that body will begin to develop this new constitution to be voted on in 2022. The other really remarkable thing about this new constitution is that the elected body has already been designated as having to achieve 
gender parity, which is the first time internationally that this has taken place in, in any constitution in history, which is remarkable in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the, um, the sort of disadvantage in Chile have uh, suffered uh, over the years, as we know. Uh, and as you say, there was the riots because of the metro price rise and all that. Um, is this uh, this vote liable to uh, to use Boris Johnson's phrase level up? Is it going to because I know the wealthy have got hugely wealthy in Chile, whereas you know the the man on the bus, uh, seems to have um, got poorer over the years. I mean, is this going to change? The things do you think yeah it's one of those things which is kind of peculiar because actually poverty rates have, have decreased in in chile over the course of the last generation but equally it's become a much more unequal society so the rich have got uh, a lot richer is it going to change anything i think the key thing about this is it's a it's an existential question for the country who are we who are they who do they want to be and how to take that forward and, and basically everybody all citizens whatever um, height, shade, gender, uh, location of birth, etc., economic uh, capability, that for, for every citizen in Chile to have a, um, a stake in this new constitution and country going forward, whether that practically ends up drip-feeding down into any significant changes. I mean, even if it does, that's years away from, uh, from happening. It's certainly not going to happen from one day to the next. And if it does achieve anything in practical terms i mean who knows I, I feel this is a big emotional lift for chile rather than necessarily a practical lift as things stand okay now we, we've had our own i mean at the moment there's a, a huge conversation going on uh, about um uh, about sort of things that happened under the colonial era uh, and all that sort of stuff and we have the the row in um, in the uk always over the elgin marbles you know which uh, the greeks would like return to them and we're saying well no we haven't all seen them yet and they're there in the uh, in the <laughs> british in the british museum uh, and there's a similar argument going on uh, in mexico is there not john there is and it's become a hot topic recently because we're basically now as of a, a few years ago and over the course of the next few years celebrating a number of 500 year anniversaries related to uh, to the conquest and the arrival of, of the Spaniards so basically what um, Andres Manuel López Obrador AMLO the, the Mexican president is saying which is kind of echoed amongst his his base here really and also you know relevant in in a broad Latin American context is how um, unpalatable it is to see colonialist um, European Anglo-Saxon museums celebrate, and again, controversial word, celebrate these anniversaries with a lot of artifacts um, in those countries as part of broad exhibitions that are taking place there when those artifacts and those you know, objects should be, should be here. It, it, I mean, it, is it a relevant point? Of course it's a relevant point. Um, is it a political um, angle that AMLO is taking also because of the fact that he's got a massive in-tray of difficulty in the country here? Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, it plays, to, to speak of, of colonialist history and colonialist policy, um, definitely plays with, with his base and, and distracts or detracts a little bit from, uh, you know, the, the twin major crisis at the moment of COVID and the economy and the third one, which follows hot on the heels of those two, which is drug uh, drug-related yeah. violence. So anything he can do to to change the pre the angle of the press conference onto something else which is in his favour, he'll happily do. 
Yeah. Um, just tell us, before we move on to uh, another Latin American sporting icon, John, um, tell us about uh, Brazil's Donald Trump. Well, since we spoke, I've been researching this, and there's lots of them, would you believe, oh. Martin? <laughs> but this is one of those things where, um, throughout Latin America, but in, in Brazil in, in particular, um, people have lots of names. Um, it's not as simple as Martin Kellner. Um, so what tends to happen is they try and make themselves more easily identifiable at the ballot box, and they do. They often do this with nicknames. So they'll they'll just pick names, you know, related to whoever the big figures of our time are. And one of the biggest, uh, most recognisable names of our time, obviously, is Trump. And you've got local elections taking place in Brazil at the moment, and you've got politicians or wannabe politicians from right across the broad spectrum. And you would expect them to be, you know, right wing in terms of adopting the name Trump, but but it's more to do with likenesses. You know, if you're slightly chubby, blondish haired um, and, and grumpy and use your hands in a particular way, then it's a good it's a good idea to call yourself Trump. And there are scores of them. There's just Trump Trump. Uh, there's Ronald Trump. There's Donald Trump <laughs> Bolsonaro. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. It's amazing. Yeah. And this this guy that you were telling me about, uh, Miguel Chimoes Leal, um, he's um, saying vote Biden. I mean, he looks like Donald Trump, but he wants people to vote for uh, for Joe Biden. Yeah, this is the headline that's been doing the rounds is uh, Trump says vote. <laughs> Trump says vote Biden. A lot of news news agencies have got a lot of traction from that particular headline or a variation therein. Mm. Now, uh, our sporting icon from Latin America is uh, Marcelo Rios um, uh, from the world of tennis. Tell me a little bit about Marcelo Rios. Yeah, late 90s, world, world number one in, in 1998. Uh, I mean, basically regarded as, uh, widely regarded as the best Chilean player of all time. First Latin player to reach number one. Um, also remarkably, the first player ever to become uh, number one in the ATP ranki rankings without winning a Grand Slam. And the first ever, the only one so far to be a number one in both in all of junior, pro and senior um, tournaments and rankings. But I think really the thing about Marcelo Rios, as with a lot of figures that we that we talk about on on your show, is uh, partly the kind of the sublime skill of the man. I mean, there were there were periods where he was just off the court terrible, and then suddenly something would just seem to click, and he was just playing a different a different sport. And then the other thing was about his his troubled history. Again, as with a lot of um, I mean Latin American stars, but you know broadly stars internationally, the mm. the off court or off-piece life was as, as incredible as the on-piece life. And just in, a, a huge array of amazing stories in his personal life, including uh, running over his, his then trainer and then promptly sacking him uh, afterwards. Uh, he seemed to have a penchant for, for having bar fights with waiters, which was a, a regular thing which took place internationally. Uh, famously, at one Davis Cup event against Ecuador in 2003, he decided that it was a good idea to urinate on people who were just standing next to him. And the list goes on and on and on. Uh, and yes. Yeah, he, he, uh, he punched a, a, a taxi driver in Rome once, and then the policeman who came to arrest him, he decided to punch him as well, uh, etc. And perhaps also, in a UK context, probably best known because of the famous words he uttered when he left... Uh, he was dumped out of Wimbledon against uh, again early once again because he was a clay court specialist, and he said, uh, "Grass is for cows." Excellent, um, uh, quite a guy, Marcelo uh, Rios. But as you say, a brilliant tennis player. Um, more, uh, it was more focused on um, achieving greatness in tennis than in his uh, personal life. 
um, from, from the looks of things. Um, yes, multi- multiple wives, more wives than Diego Maradona. Yeah, amazing. Uh, thanks uh, ever so much, uh, John. Uh, we'll talk again 